0: Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt. I'm fucking so excited to talk <laughs> about this today. So, uh, what are we talking about today, Matt? Alright,
1: we're talking about Van Helsing. 2004's Ma- Universal's 2004 masterpiece that we <laughs> watched last night. And God, I, I don't want to talk a whole lot about it because I've seen this movie hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. I want to get a lot more about you. Okay. Your impression to this. Because I watched this movie with rose-colored glasses,
0: clearly. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think I remember turning to, literally right before I pressed play, and I pointed at you and know, I'm like, don't laugh at this movie. <laughs> it's really cool, but it's really goofy. So mm-hmm. I really want to get, and we didn't really talk
0: a lot about it. Yeah, we really night. haven't talked much. I want to know yeah, we moved on thoughts. to our other movies of the night. <laughs>
1: yes. So uh, right away, we're gonna, just going to get right into it. So yeah. Van Helsing came out in 2004. We're going to get into the cast in a little bit. Awesome. But uh, I will say that it's starring Hugh Jackman. Yep. At like peak Wolverine period of his career. Yeah, this career.
0: is what, right after X2, right, right before after X2. Last Stand? Literally the year before, like
1: this movie came out in 04, Last Stand came out in 05. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he's handsome, he's charming. Uh, he, I mean, he's It's peak Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And it's directed and written by a man named Steven Summers. Who, um, if by his work you don't watch this movie alone, uh, I mean, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Summers wrote and directed The Mummy in 90, 1999's The Mummy mm-hmm. and its sequel, The Mummy Returns. Both fucking amazing movies. If you've never seen those movies, and I know you haven't seen The Mummy Returns, Danny. Correct. Which we're going to fix. I can't wait. But, any, everybody should watch these movies. They're like the perfect mix of like Indiana Jones, like I I said, comic book type writing mm-hmm. last night, and
0: I and I found that really really yeah.
1: hit. Well, and I think that's that might just be how Steven Summers writes. Mm-hmm. He writes in a very like grand manner because the story he's telling is a big adventure. It's
0: it's a big melodrama, which I love that. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like yeah, not that's nothing bad to say. That's just how I would describe these movies. They're epic melodramas. Absolutely.
1: I don't know if it translated as much to the G.I. Joe movies, which he also is attached yes. to as at least a producer. I'm not sure if he wrote directed this as well, but... Everything that he's wrote or directed that I have seen, I've loved. Mm-hmm. Um, he even did the um, Adventures of Huck Finn movie from, like, the early 90s, too. Like, that's how he started. Oh, and okay. Catch Me If You Can. First directorial debut in 1989 was Catch Me If You Can. Wow. Because if that says anything to at least our musical people, mm-hmm. if that yeah, says, the says people anything about love the, that story. Yeah, the tone of that movie, very much what the tone of this and the tone of The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's whole, at least in this and in The Mummy, I'm sure we'll cover The Mummy someday. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, there's, you know, horror aspects to be sure, which is why we're covering it. Um, But that's like the fourth or fifth, like even on the genre breakdown on IMDb, it's action, adventure, fantasy, thriller. That's the fourth thing on there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, because I watched this movie as a child. You know, my parents were a little bit more restrictive on the type of stuff I could watch, and they let me watch this literally all day long. Mm-hmm. So if that says anything about the tone and the vibe of this movie while still being entertaining, I, I, it's just so fucking
0: I love it. Well, yeah, because like, this one is more like horror-adjacent, kind of like how our Underworld series watched, which is very similar to how this movie is.
1: Well, especially because uh, who's in it? Uh, we have Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, Kate as, Beckinsale. Um, Anna. Anna. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale. If you don't remember from our Underworld series, was Celine? She mm-hmm. was. The, she was the she, protagonist. Yeah, she was the main character. Which is funny because in this movie, her and her family have devoted themselves to hunting vampires, pretty much off the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it was cool because we talked a lot about you know her physical acting in this movie. She yeah, shit kicked out of her a lot. <laughs> but um, I think it's great because. I'm pretty sure Steven Summers saw Underworld and
0: loved it. Well, yeah, because Underworld came out what a year o- or two th- yeah, before like this. O- three
1: o- yeah, o- three I, th- I believe. I think so. Yeah. Oh my god. That sounds Check about right. Check back on our Underworld <laughs> episode. See, <how> right, <laughs> see where this falls. But um, so I, I don't want to waste any more time. So the storyline, just we won't go through the whole plot of the movie. It's mm-hmm. too big. Like the movie is like about two hours and ten minutes long. Yeah, feels much longer. Like, it is a full, full
2: movie. Mm-hmm.
1: And not with, like, dense lore, not with, you know, unnecessary scenes. Just I with things like, happening. Truly. Like, I feel like this will be, like, a big old, like, you know, stroking the ego of Van Helsing. But, like, every single shot in this movie, I feel like, is important, um, sets the tone better, progresses the plot, and progresses how you should feel and learn about these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, For all of its early 2000s universal blockbuster action movie, it has a surprising amount of depth
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: thematic material that we covered extensively on our Frankenstein and Dracula episodes. Yes, And I didn't bring up Van Helsing on purpose, but we talked a lot about, for those that haven't listened to that, the differences between... The literature
0: versions of Fra- uh, Fracula, Frankenstein, <laughs> Frankenstein, and Dracula, and Dracula, Fracula for short, Dracula. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's their fun little couple <laughs> name. So, Fracula in Universal is they're monsters. Mm-hmm. They're marketed as monsters. They're designed to not be as as relatable as the books, mm-hmm. um, mostly because uh, we felt that early Hollywood wasn't ready to expose. Run of the mill American audiences to like existential questions like, is man more powerful than God? Yes, you know, like that sort of thing was a big to do in Bram Stoker and Mary Shelley's novels. Um, go listen to that episode if that conversation gets you going at all. Yes, but I we're gonna we're bringing it up now because it's gonna come back up here mm-hmm. because I feel, and you can speak for yourself on this as well, Dan, but I feel like this is the perfect meld of the universal monster meets the book monster in terms of Dracula and Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, I feel like for me, this was the first time in a long time I've actually seen a like fairly articulate Frankenstein's monster, which I always enjoy because I think it's just such a compelling story to tell from the monster's perspective. Because you do get their perspective when they can articulate their thoughts. It's not just a blanket uh, monster. It's these well-articulated thoughts about, Can you just let me survive? I just want to live a life.
1: I think that was cool is that where Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the one they use in Penny Dreadful is it kind of loses itself almost in the existential nature of the creature. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of stop him at he wants to live. Plain and simple. Yeah. Like he is a conscious entity who can think for himself, thinks about the world, thinks about good and evil. That alone should merit his respect as a human being. Which, you know, later on when when Van Helsing is told that he should kill him, he's like, I can't. He's not evil. Mm -hmm. There's no... And that was when you really, like, peaked as, like, yes, a moral
0: compass. Well, yeah. (laughs) Van Helsing in this movie has a very strict moral compass that he follows about what monsters he's willing to face. Because it's all of the ones, as he puts it, that are being driven by evil. There's no good left in them. Whereas when he encounters Frankenstein for the first time, he's like, there's no malicious intent with this man. He just is a monster, but he has nothing but good inside him. He's not doing anything for malicious intent. He has no evil intentions. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and on the opposite of the coin, jumping completely ahead, uh, at the end of the movie when Dracula and Van Helsing are are facing down, Dracula kind of has a moment to be like, I literally just want to... Like, he gives the same argument. He's like, Mm -hmm. I just want to exist. I just want to further my kind. I just want to have my own life. But where that becomes a problem is that Dracula's the, like, as long as Dracula continues to survive, people will suffer. Yes. So that's where, you know, it's if there is, obviously Dracula signed a pact with the devil. He's clearly got evil in him. Mm-hmm. But his, they do a good job of showing him, like in the book and in the Francis Ford Coppola movie. Or not the Francis. Yeah. Yeah. Francis, Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Uh, the movie that he did where it's all about Dracula's desire for connection and desire with, to reconnect with his humanity mm-hmm. um, in this movie it's through progressing his species as in bringing his children to life so he has, he's motivated by he's been alone for thousands of years but that's the important thing is I need to feel connection with people just why he, I think he on onto Van Helsing so much is not only is it just – it's just a happenstance, a- ca- encounter with a man that almost killed him, but it's the only person that he can relate to mm-hmm. over centuries of existence, centuries with his wives even. Yeah. It's the only person he can truly relate to on, like, a a human level mm-hmm. if he even has that. So we've already gotten into the <laughs> big school, like, you know, philosophical discussion which don't go into Van Helsing looking for that. No. I think I just found that again after like hundreds of times. Watching a, yeah, it. that's
0: that's not something you'll find right off. Yeah, the no, bat. And, it and is not, not surface level. That's no. once you're digging into this movie. That's
1: if you, because I mean, when I watched it as a kid, I didn't really listen to what they said. I just kind of watched the movie because mm-hmm. the writing is. I mean, it's very comic booky, but it is a little highbrow. It, it, it's in the spirit of the original novel format. Yes. So Dracula talks a lot about. Feeling alone and not having anything and being hollow to his wives, also, yeah, <laughs> like in front, like at them, which I'm like, Ugh. but uh, like that's not highbrow, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily bog down the plot either. Like that yeah. whole scene where he does that after his first wife is killed, he more or less just laments. That everything passes except for me. I'm the only thing that endures forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the scene's over. Like, yeah. Then it moves on. That it, it's like, now you learn more about Dracula. Now you know. Like, it's, everything is to further what is
0: happening. Yeah, it's enough of a scene to allow Dracula to have those emotional beats throughout the movie. But not enough for you to have to wallow in those moments right. before it continues on with the rest of the plot.
1: It's like, you can connect to it if you want to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You yes. can still watch it and be like, I want werewolves to kill vampires. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that will also happen. But like, <laughs> if you want more, because I'm sure people always complain, like, you know, one way or the other. It's not mm-hmm. lore heavy enough or it's too lore heavy. It's one or the other. In this case, it's like, well, we're going to put it in there if you want it, but you don't have to pay attention to it. Yes. So you can just watch all the cool shit we're doing. So then Helsing is in the world to rid all evil. He was sent by God. He's under the protection of the Vatican and Rome. But he's out to rid the world of evil, even if not everyone agrees with him. That's where his moral compass comes in. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, killing a werewolf seems good, but uh, that werewolf will turn back into a person that he is standing over the body over. Mm-hmm. So authorities are like, you're a murderer, you're a monster, like all of these things. But it's more or less just something that he deals with because he knows what he's doing is right. Mm-hmm. The Vatican sends the monster hunter and his ally, Carl, who's played by David Wenham from Lord of the Rings and several other things I'm sure people will know, mm-hmm. to the land of Transylvania, which is the homeland of Count Dracula. They've been sent to stop him uh, while joining forces with, I'm using their words, the, with a gypsy princess named Anna Valerius, who is determined to end an ancient curse on her family by destroying the vampire. And that's lore within the movie is her family... Uh, you know, said centuries ago that they would not rest or enter heaven until Dracula was dead. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they don't know how to kill Dracula because nothing that kills vampires kills Dracula, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is entry-level the coolest thing about this Dracula the way that he's so poised, it's because he knows nothing could kill him. Well, yeah,
0: because there's that one scene when they f- first interact with each other where Van Helsing's just kind of, like, pulling out all the stops that he's used to. Like, here's a crucifix, and Dracula will play like it's yeah, going to hurt him. I love And that. then he just melts away the crucifix. Yeah, he grabs yeah. it,
1: and it melts in his grip, and he's screaming, and he's like, maybe we can talk about it. We can have this conversation. Yeah. Because he's trying to be like, yo, you don't remember, like, attacking me 400 years ago? Like, mm-hmm. do you remember anything? you still trying to kill him. It's like we'll just put a pin in this conversation. Clearly, you're not in the right headspace. For <laughs> this. Um, well, yeah. And then the first scene that Dracula shows up. He. This is the first time, kind of, that they've kind of joined the universes of these Universal monsters. Yeah, you know, they start out with that that black and white scene. You know, very I reminiscent. I really
0: loved the choice to have that first scene mm-hmm. without any color. Yeah. To and it, I think re- part of it is that it really reminded me of the right. original Universal movies.
1: Yeah, they were very much that was in their mind the whole time.
0: Well, yeah, and the first scene opens with almost a recreation of um, the scene from Frankenstein where he first mm-hmm. reanimates the creature.
1: Yeah, and kind of gives you a peek behind the curtain. Is like, while the mob is running to go destroy the monster, Frankenstein is there in his lap with the creature, and Dracula shows up, who has been financing his work this entire time, because for some reason, he is fixated on the idea of Bringing things to life and sustaining that life, mm-hmm. he feels that Dr. Frankenstein has unlocked that secret in the creature, and he needs the creature for something, some some macro level plot that we we don't learn until later, until later on. But uh, Victor decides he's not going to go with that, and he stabs Dracula. And he's like, you can't kill me, Victor. I'm already dead.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, just pulls himself oh, yeah, close to the even, sword. He doesn't even stab Dracula. He puts a sword out to be, like, back off. Yeah, and back Dracula off. just walks into Shot. the sword.
1: Dracula, in this movie, I will say now, is the coolest I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I just love the way he just carries himself. It's mm-hmm. what we talked about with Dracula just being cool, just being on top of it. And I think that that confidence, at least in this movie, comes from the fact that he's bored. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, well, nothing's going to kill me. Like, what's the point?
0: Yeah, it's it's the ultimate playing with your food when you know nothing (laughs) can go wrong. So you can take your sweet time with it.
1: Unfortunately, his brides do the same thing. But they're not immortal like he is. So it gets them killed, literally all three of them because of
0: that. Yeah, it's because he has a much larger hubris, and they, since they've spent so much time with him, they've adopted that same hubris, but they have a much lower threshold for what they can actually deal with.
1: You know what I think is interesting, and I didn't think of it until you just said it, but I feel like, because Dracula's been around since the 1400s. That's, that's, in this universe, it's about 400 years. His brides, I would wager, no more than 200. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're still riding the high of being powerful, immortal beings. Dracula is already disillusioned with all of that, which is why he's like, the only thing that matters is the future. The Mm -hmm. only thing that matters is my children. His brides still have that, like, you know, because they're preying on villagers. They're not going to put up a fight. It's not till literally... Not Geralt of Rivia shows up with his gas powered <laughs> fucking crossbow. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we are very mortal. We can get killed very easily, and it's usually our own fault. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so we could talk about Hugh Jackman as Van Helsing. Yeah. Fucking awesome. So, to see. <laughs> his cool hat and his, like, like,
0: mask. I love, yeah, his first introduction is just masked up. Hat So you just see his eye line. Desperado. Yeah. Um, and he's in his big flowy leather coat because so that's, that's just the era so yeah, of this. I loved
1: it. This whole movie was such a huge, like, aesthetic mm-hmm. spot for me. Because that whole first scene is it's introducing him, but also what he does. Well,
0: yeah, because it's him with um, Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We learned he refers to you as Dr. Jekyll, yeah. and then the creature's like, no, 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 no.
1: Well, and he even does the whole like, rollout of, like, listen, you're wanted for these murders and this and this and this, and the monster clearly doesn't care, so he's like, okay, well, for these crimes, I'm not going to bring you back to Rome mm-hmm. for questioning. I'm going to kill you because you're trying to kill me. <laughs> now, in my mind, those CGI graphics held up a little bit better. But granted, I watched this
0: movie in about two thousand and nine. Okay, mm-hmm. so like maybe five or six years after it came out. The visuals are not terrible. I was still. Saying, a good amount of the visuals in this movie have held up very well. There's a few creatures and a few moments in particular yeah. that stand out to me having not aged very well. But again, it's been twenty years right. now. Things aren't going to look the same. Well, I mean, and I would
1: say that the the graphics are pretty much at the par of like something like a CW show. Mm-hmm. Like it's Good, but you know it's, it could be better.
0: Yeah, and I was like, it's yeah. not Lord of the Rings, which was around the same time. Yeah, but that was the height of CG at the time. Well,
1: Lord of the Rings, the big thing about it is that most of it was practical. That's why. That's, it, true. that's why it holds up still. Mm-hmm. Like, is all. That's why The Hobbit doesn't hold up because it looks like fucking ass. So, make things practically when you can. And this movie does that at least it with does. the sets. The yes. sets are
0: all real. The sets and those egg sacks, those are practical. Oh, buddy. Oh. Were the egg sacks practical? Those slimy, they made slimy sure. egg sacks.
1: <laughs> They're like, Hugh, we're going to have you put your hand in the egg sack. It's
0: like, okay, you know. What do you want me to out? do? It's like, no, just root around in it. Just find some gunk, pull it out, find some more.
1: <laughs> just keep looking. Yeah, just. It's literally. We're like the, gonna hide something in there for you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta find it. Like it's like the alien eggs from Alien, where it's just a bunch of like viscous, like it's like mucus, yeah, mucus-y stuff. Yeah, and you know that they had to shit out. I'm sure Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Danny did this whole like physical, <laughs> like, because I looked at him during you know because the, the brides obviously are there. I think for Dracula's case, like why he's so dispassionate towards them, and why well, he's got three of them. Is because he needs to like churn up this As, production line yeah. of kids. I, I don't mean that crassly. That's literally what he has them for. Yes. Like why he's so flippantly. He's like, don't worry, I'll find another one. Mm-hmm. He's like, do we mean so little to you? It's like, yeah, because you don't matter to me. no nothing matters to me but these children. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm like, Dan. Do you think they had to?
0: They had to lay those eggs. <laughs> and you're like physically, yeah, yeah they have yeah. to yeah, I had out. to use my hands to <laughs> prove my point.
1: Yeah, it really made the visual great. And then I immediately thought of like, yeah, there's like maybe about a thousand, two thousand of these egg sacs in Castle Frankenstein. But I know that there's about 10,000 more in Castle Dracula later. And I'm like, think about that. When you see that. That canopy of just those egg sacs. I'm like think about how they had to lay them. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that Van Helsing is introduced after the fact. So he fights Van. He fights. uh D- D- Jekyll and Jekyll, Hyde. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, in a very classic superhero way. You know, he doesn't necessarily kill the villain. It more or less the villain dies fighting Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. He's left holding the turd. You know, the authorities that find a now human Dr. Jekyll, you know, are like, why would you throw him off of the Notre Dame (laughs) Cathedral, Van Helsing, you monster? (laughs) Um, But it brings up this cool underground world, almost, of uh, having him be, like, sponsored by the Vatican, having Mm -hmm. this, like, underground secret society that is out to vanquish evil. Not just monsters, evil. Evil. Very, like, Templar-esque in, like, uh, like Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's hunted clearly any kind of anything you can name out there, but he hasn't gone after vampires before. Yes. So he's kind of approaching vampires as a monster as opposed to, like, a supreme intelligent being. Because, like, when he first shows up to kill it, he's like, I'm just going to shoot at it, but he doesn't realize, like, it also, you know, it's been killing people for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to... Get the drop on it. You almost have to only exploit their hubris to kill them.
0: Yeah, because he really just trips his he way. He literally <laughs> these vampires. Well, yeah, and when he first shows up, he literally goes in guns, crossbows ablazing. Yeah. His
1: crossbow, like it's perfect steampunk aesthetic. It's a gas-powered machine. Gatling, cro- yeah, Gatling, Gatling crossbow, yeah. like drum-fed. Like it's so cool. I love it so so. Well, and I so love.
0: Much how he ends up using it to kill the first of the brides. Right. In that, again, most of them he kind of trips into because of the vampire's hubris. Um, he was going to throw holy water at one of the vampire brides, who throws <laughs> it into the water supply. Because coral's there with the bottle of it. And he's like, call holy water! And they're under attack
1: by these three... We... Okay, I guess we take a step back. So the, the, not only the vampire brides, but all vampires that we see in this movie... at least, okay, barring that, Dracula and his brides, because we see other vampires in the movie that don't do this, but they can turn into large like
0: bat-like creatures. Mm -hmm.
1: Like giant, mothman-like monsters.
0: Instead of becoming small bats, they are Mm -hmm. man-bat-sized bats. Yeah, with claws, teeth, all that
1: shit. They can do it at will, which is, Mm -hmm. I love that so much. But yeah, they're like attacking this village, all three of them, so he's wildly (laughs) shooting into the air. (laughs) all these projectiles into nothingness, you know, trying to kill him. But yeah, so, yeah, Carl calls out that he's got holy water, and goes to throw it to him, and one of them just catches it. It's like, no, (laughs) fucking let's get this shit over with.
0: But yeah, what does he do? And so yeah, once they've thrown it into the water supply, and he realizes that they can still heal from the silver bolts he's shooting, Mm -hmm. he puts his crossbow... Into the water supply so it would get doused with holy water. the
1: baptismal font has all that holy water. Yeah, and
0: then shoots the um, vampire bride against a building. It's fucking awesome. And she just, like, (laughs) burns up.
1: It's especially cool
0: because, again,
1: obviously the CGI is not awesome now. But I think for what it was, Mm -hmm. it's very impressive the way they blended... Like, pretty much the only things that were CGI were the creatures. Yes. Which I think is why they look so good. is because it's not animating a CGI creature on a CGI background. It's animating a CGI creature into a um, real practical background. Practice. yeah. And then just being like, okay, so our huge team of visual effects artists, all they need to do is just make sure it looks good. Mm-hmm. You know, like that whole werewolf fight on the carriage, like, that's at night. Yeah. That's during the making of, like, all these Underworld movies. And there's a reason that they have all these like very dynamic movements at night because it's in the day it would be harder to see. Yeah, you know, like there's werewolves in these movies that go through a very intense transition transformation process, but almost always it's done in low light, and mm-hmm. I get it because it still looks really good. Yeah, but if it wasn't, it probably would have looked worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's worth checking out the visuals and just being impressed for how it works with the story. Like, anytime one of the vampires die, they just dissolve into a skeleton. Yeah. And they use the actors during that. And I love not being able to tell when the actor and the CG... Switch like, places. Yeah, switches. Yeah. I love that. And this movie
0: does that a lot especially
1: with the werewolf transformations yeah because they do it well where they have the wolf look like the person up until it's completely transformed
0: mm-hmm. well yeah and it's like tearing the skin away Roll slowly. Gets to the werewolves.
1: I fucking, that whole so cool I'm, it's still my there those are my favorite werewolves in pretty much any medium like they're pretty much lichens so i can mm-hmm. say they're pretty much the same but lichens don't transform this way yeah lichens transform just their bodies expand Werewolves in this transform by ripping their skin off, shedding that skin, and then the hair comes through Mm -hmm. as their head is, like, contorting into a muzzle. Yeah. It's very cool, very intense looking, and like most werewolf transitions that, you know, appear to hurt, this obviously would be agonizing Mm -hmm. for the individual, but they're a werewolf, and that can't kill them, so it would kill any normal person. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about Kate back sale. Let's do it. Who is she? So, okay. So she's kind of like in charge of this town. Because she was working with her brother at the beginning of the movie. Right. And her brother ends up, as they're doing a hunt for the werewolf, yeah. ends up getting attacked and injured by the werewolf and thus becomes a werewolf himself. So her biggest problem in this movie, aside from having to kill Dracula to release her family's curse, she also has to deal with the moral implications mm-hmm. of fighting her brother, her, the person she loves the most in the world, yeah. as he has now become one of her worst enemies.
1: And it's very coy the way that Dracula uses werewolves as, like, soldiers. Yeah. And to pointedly use... um name Belkin, as her brother of use Velkin as the werewolf to attack Anna and Van Helsing is effective because he is like, well, she probably won't kill him. Mm-hmm. And it will probably l- leave her vulnerable to, you know, it'll kill two birds with one stone. Either she'll kill him, and it's like, great, and then, you know, his ass is covered, mm-hmm. or he'll kill both of them, and then he's like, well, like, I just dispatched this werewolf because, you know, He's still not at the point where he can. He's at full werewolf, you know. Where they, after the first full moon, they're like stuck a werewolf forever. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's still in that
0: early. He's still learning phase. everything about yeah, being werewolf. So he's still manipulative,
1: manipulatable. Yes, that's a word, right?
0: Well, I'm gonna say he yes. He can for be ours. manipulated. There easier. you go. <laughs>
1: that works. Um, so Kate Beckinsale at the time was Celine in all the Underworld movies. Mm-hmm. Kicks fucking ass in those movies. And, in this one, I think almost because she's Kate Beckinsale, I hope at the very least. But, I mean, also Stephen Summers wrote her, so it could go either way. But she's not a normal action female protagonist. She's not there as an accessory to the hero. She's not there to constantly get saved. And if she is, it's within the realm of possibility for the plot. And any available time that she can help, she does. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's more. Th- it, it more becomes less about her and more about Van Helsing to Dracula because once he figures out who he is, he's like, "Well, that's my focus. Mm-hmm. You are now not a threat to me." The whole house of the Valerius who tried yeah. to kill me for centuries. You're now failed. a secondary. Yeah, it's like for he, me. I'll put you in the back burner while I deal with Van Helsing, who almost killed me before. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that they wrote her is very similar to the way they wrote Evie in the Mummy franchise. Is they still have her as some prototypical things, some gender stereotypes are there for an action movie in the time piece, mm-hmm. but it still defies them any chance it can, yes, and I think I like that a lot, especially when I found out that she was in the underworld movies. I'm like, oh, the badass woman from Ben Helsing is a badass vampire in those movies mm-hmm. it's just cool I don't know i I appreciate when like you go in almost like assuming like, oh, this is what, how it's going to be." Like, that whole first encounter with the vampires, this is the first time he meets Anna, and she's, like, immediately does not trust him. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they just roll in a with all these weapons, and everyone's
0: like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, But... The, oh, yeah, and she's sword-drawn. She's prepared to fight yeah, she'll fucking to protect that town. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she will not hesitate to just take someone down yeah. if she feels like they are in her way yeah. or are working for Dracula, potentially.
1: Well, and think about literally everything you just said is her brother Mm -hmm. and she won't do that which i think is an interesting dynamic for her character by setting her up to be like i'll kill someone trying to help me but she won't kill her werewolf brother Mm -hmm. because it's all she has i mean the the whole kind of gist of dracula's lore with her family is that the valerius have always they swore they would kill dracula but they can't because no one knows how to kill Dracula. So they've just been dying for centuries trying to do it. And she's the last in their line. Now that Vilkin's a werewolf, she is the last person. So all of this responsibility is on her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know how to do it. Now her brother's a werewolf, and Van Helsing is here who's like, I'm trying to help you. So their chemistry is a lot more natural in like they, they realize that the other is not going to screw them over. Mm-hmm. They really, really like they start to see things from the other's perspective a lot more. And They do that all, the most when they re meet Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Helsing is the one that says that he can't kill him because he's not evil.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: oh God! I want well, more yeah, of and your thoughts on this. That's man. when <laughs> the tables
0: turn because for the longest time it's been him trying to kill her brother because he is evil. He's, now, like he's a werewolf, and there's now, no buddy. way around it. and he, It gets into the whole thing about how Van Helsing has this feeling and like sixth sense of sorts to understand what is making a person do what they do if it's evil or if it's a good intentioned Mm -hmm. thing. And so for so long, it's been her trying to stop him from killing her brother, despite him now having that evil side to him where she is immediately gung-ho in wanting to kill Frankenstein, despite Van Helsing knowing that he is a good man and has no malicious intent. Well, I think it's a really nice dichotomy. For
1: sure. Well, and it's even it's very interesting in that same aspect to where when Van Helsing is bitten by a werewolf,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she's like, you're going to be a werewolf, but doesn't kill him immediately. Any other time, she'd be like, you're dead. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, 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 he he's useful he's helping me. It's not
0: because she's like in love
1: with him or anything. It's no, because it's, she's like, I need him. I trust him. It's the
0: fine line between yeah. her brother and Frankenstein. Yeah, It's the first time she's seen that those two worlds aren't mutually exclusive. Right, There can be a gray area. Right, there, It's not all black and white like the beginning of this movie. But um, sh-
1: Oh my god. God, all the fucking thematic <laughs> subtext of this movie, it's making me upset <laughs> that it's just a goofy action movie. And I'm like, there's actually a lot to this. Well, like even um, oh fuck, I don't remember. It was it, oh, I don't know. Well, I'll probably circle back to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's get into some like specific. Um, I want to talk about Dracula for a little bit. Just please. How fucking awesome he is, and now mm. that you're here to back me up, it'll be it'll be great. <laughs> so this guy um, Richard Rober, who I've never seen anything else that he's really done or maybe it's just because I don't recognize him. The big
0: thing I recognized him from is he was in oh, the Moulin film Rouge. Moulin Rouge as right. the Duke which he looks very different between the two movies. If I hadn't looked him up because yeah. I knew he looked familiar, I wouldn't have been able to place him. Yeah. But that's where I know him mostly from. I mean,
1: he's a very uh, prolific, I mean, he was an Axel Ridge. I think the big thing is just that and I was talking to this right before we started recording but I feel like I've been watching, because I've been watching Van Helsing for years, and I, there's so many people in it that I didn't know were actually in it, because mm-hmm. I just didn't recognize them. Uh, for instance, one of the brides, Elena, is uh, she's the first one that gets killed. She's in Wonder Woman. She's one of the Amazonians. Just, I mean, obviously oh, okay. not in, in it, but yeah. I like know who she is. Like, I know the exact person she is in that movie, because mm-hmm. I, now I see her face, not dressed as Jasmine from Aladdin or with her hair up, because they do kind of dress like that.
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: Which, okay, I think it's cool, though, because all the lore about those vampiruses has them pretty much dressed in, like, curtains. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, it's cool because it works to how they turn into bats. Like, Mm -hmm. their wings almost come from their garments. Yeah. Which, Dracula is the same way. I love his giant bat monster that he turns into at the end because he his like vestments that he wears when he turns into the bat the like suspender type brooch things that he have are the tips of his wings that like mm-hmm. unfurl into the whole thing i love that i think that that is the coolest way to like turn someone like like, fo- like you could like rewind it or fast forward and they would be like a one to one change everything mm-hmm. put like is put somewhere
0: and i feel like i need to take a second just to have huge compliments to the costuming department Holy for this movie. Holy shit, yes. The costumes are immaculate. It's mm. a really nice... It, it's some really nice period pieces yeah. that also had that like steampunk, modernistic approach mm-hmm. as well, which was par for the course in the mid-2000s, which I love. Yeah, same. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where the aesthetic came from, or at least the, where my interest in that came from. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. I think it it goes back to how practical this movie is i mean it's Mm -hmm. a universal movie and i feel like something about it made them want to get back to basics like same with the mummy like they're like let's just make a remember back in the day when we didn't have to rent out studios or like we didn't have to do this or that we just went to hungary and we made a movie Mm -hmm. that's what this feels like and the costumes feel like that and the extras feel like every single part of this movie like I could go on literally a whole episode tangent just about Castle Dracula at the end and how fucking awesome it is. Mm-hmm. But all of that, every inch of that castle has detail, like artistic, like reasoning for why it's there.
0: Yeah, the set dressings it's, are. just... Oh my
1: god! I could only, like they must have uh, gotten the guy from Lord of the Rings to be the like production designer for mm-hmm. this movie because it is insane. My favorite uh, one that I always come back to is the, the little village in Transylvania that they're, they're based in originally, the square where uh, they have their well. There's also this little like totem pole type thing with a bunch of wood at the bottom. And I'm like, that's just where they burn witches. Mm-hmm. Like the town has a preordained spot where they burn witches. <laughs> <laughs> like that just, screw, Like this, I don't know, it feels very really like Bloodborne almost. Like the whole town is very bleak. All of them are ready at a hair for any monster to show up and kill them. Like, even the the gravedigger guy, like, when he tries to kill Van Helsing for, like, no reason. It's just like, it's just me, man. I gotta stay on brand and be creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but because of how well the movie looks, costume-wise, aesthetic-wise, it's... I think that's why I don't recognize anybody. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I saw this Richard Rober guy, like if I rewatched Hacksaw Ridge, I still probably wouldn't recognize him because of how well he like inhabited Dracula. His hair was like long in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Hugh Jackman's hair is really long in yeah. this movie too, which like we were going back and forth on how that looked.
0: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just different. It's very, very different. I'm not a fan of him with long hair, but that's, that's a small thing for me. It definitely
1: feels like it was. He just walked off the set of X Two, and they're like, "Don't do anything, except grow like you shave your beard, but like don't do anything." Don't cut your your hair hair. because his hair, like, there's a picture of it up on his INDV, but it's like that weird little like heart shape design his Mm -hmm. hair was doing. So it just went into like his sideburns and mulleted in the back, and I feel like once he starts shaving, all that stuff just gets long. And they're like, perfect, use that. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Let's do some specifics. Uh, uh, Like, give me some big ones for you. Like, specific scenes, stuff that stood out.
0: Well, before I get into that, I want to also... Another thing that I think yeah, helped sure. the aesthetic was um, Alan Silvestri's score for this movie. Oh, yes. Um, we can't not talk because about how, the score. Yeah, we can, I can't I, I
1: almost forgot, but there's just so much good shit. Everything mm. in this movie fucking rules. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying so hard to not just devolve <laughs> into that. <laughs> but I, know, I really love the score and how it sets the tone for each individual scene. Because there are some very Dude, diverse
1: Yeah, yes, that like fun little Spanish guitar. Mm -hmm. Sorry, keep going.
0: Well, yeah, there's some very diverse scenes in terms of tone, and I think Alan Silvestri's score really helps—not handhold you into it, but it helps guide you towards what you're supposed to be feeling. Which is again a more modernistic approach to film scoring, and is something I think Alan Silvestri does incredibly well. It's in
1: the spirit of the of the original type of format. It's a very grand like it's the same thing that we said about the plot, this big melodrama. The music fits that. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the aesthetic needs to be um all the transitions are like like the little fun like travel transitions they do have that score and I'm like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm there. I'm fucking hyped. But yeah. What did Silvestri do again? What was so, his big thing um, recently that I'm sure everyone will know?
0: Recently you may recognize Alan Silvestri's name as the composer for Avengers Endgame who yeah. created the portals theme. Yeah. The like when everybody very, shows back yeah. up that mm-hmm. got everybody hyped.
1: He did something else too that I looked up later I don't remember. But yeah, the Avengers Endgame was the really really big one.
0: As yeah, he's done a lot of uh, more recent MCU movies, he did the Polar Express back in the day, which I think is kind <laughs> awesome. of fun.
1: Yeah, that's totally noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I had production-wise, I think is just going to be the fact that uh, this movie came out in May of '04, and, like, no one talks about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't even do poorly. It just, like... I don't know. It, it just like the mummy. It's just like a I feel is just deserving of cult classic status as the mummy, mm-hmm. um, especially because they're written by the same people. I would yeah. I would wager that more people should do double features of the mummy and Van Helsing because it takes that, that like really it takes fun. that it's the same thing. It's taking that universal monster movie type like aesthetic and coupling that with like what was cool about like adventure movies that are set in and around that time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you just make it interesting and fun, and put people there. You know, I think that's what, you know, Universal as a studio kind of wanted to do is with movies at, at all. Is be yeah, like, we want to transport audiences somewhere they've never been before. We're have them experience something they would never ever otherwise know. And obviously, this movie is fantastical, but it feels. Real,
0: yeah, yeah. It feels grounded yeah. within its own re- within its own reality. Yeah, absolutely. Because it sets its rules and it doesn't deviate from them. Mm-hmm. Which is again something that I find uh, personally. I find it very important for me in movies. Absolutely agree. for the movie itself to follow its own rules. <laughs> Please, like it's
1: not that hard. It,
0: yeah, <laughs> you wrote it.
1: Like, do you can do this? You did this. I promise. <laughs> well. Uh, That's perfect. Like um, vampires, you know, the Mm -hmm. rules about how to kill vampires, they establish those early on. You know, when Van Helsing's getting ready to go, he's getting his shit ready, and, you know, he gets Carl. Carl's the one that tells him how to kill vampires, how to kill werewolves, how to kill all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And we learn, almost by them failing, that that's not how it kills Dracula.
0: And the very first instance we have of um, Dracula not fitting the typical mold of how to kill a vampire... Is in the very first scene, he's thrown into a fireplace. Yeah, and he walks out, just kind of brushing it off.
1: And in a kind of cool twist, like he the the like CG they used for like the healing of his burn face, it's exactly the same as like Wolverine's healing in the Mm X Men movies. (laughs) And I'm like, they probably were just like, "Hey, Fox, how did you do that? We (laughs) have to do it for this." Um, Speaking of uh, Hugh Jackman and people he knew ahead
0: of time. So, um, <laughs> pointing at you because you know this. So, yes, Frankenstein's Monster is played by an actor named uh, Scholler Hensley, mm-hmm. uh, who's done a fair amount of other things, especially a lot of other things with Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Most, <laughs> uh, most namely beforehand, um, what he and Hugh Jackman were both in the 1999 revi- Broadway revival of Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. was later filmed and put and released on DVD and Blu ray. And I think it's really interesting how in this movie they kind of play uh, non-traditional friends of a kind. It's more just like, yeah,
1: Frankenstein is like a part of it. And he's like, why am I out in the open? Dracula's going to find me and the world will end.
0: (laughs) Whereas in Oklahoma where they were together, Hugh Jackman played Curly and uh, Shuler played Judd Fry, who, if anybody knows Oklahoma, is kind of the antagonist, depending on which version of Oklahoma you're looking at. But it, I he's. An regardless, <laughs> Curly and Judd don't get along. No. So much so that Curly has a whole song to Judd basically being like, hey, you should go kill yourself. You
1: kill yourself. Your funeral
0: would be poppin'. Yeah. <laughs> which, that's a whole other thing, but I don't really want to get into Oklahoma right now. It also
1: looks like he's in this, that movie Odd Thomas. The same mm-hmm. actor-director, oh, sorry, writer-director Stephen Summers did that movie that I now really want to see. Because it looks very cool, and if it's anything like anything else that he's made that I've enjoyed, I'll probably love it too.
0: Yeah, and later on in their careers, Hugh Jackman and him work together <laughs> again on The Greatest Showman. Yeah,
1: he's also in that new Dexter miniseries, so Ooh. whenever I get around to watching that, I'm going to be looking for him as well.
0: Yeah. Um, man,
1: the big, big, big favorite things about this movie for me, the werewolves, how the vampires operate, and the masquerade.
0: I'm really glad you said it because I've wanted to talk about yeah, this masquerade like, scene for so long. Yeah, I'm we got to talk about the
1: masquerade, and then it's pretty much just going to be whatever you want to talk about me. Because mm-hmm. I will feel like I'm thoroughly just gushed,
0: gushed about the gushed movie. About it. Well, yeah, the thing that got me about the attention to detail in the masquerade scene is something I didn't notice at first until you kind of unintentionally pointed it out well, to I me. Well, I did it
1: because I wanted you to also have the, oh, shit, like she did.
0: Yes, because there's a moment where um, Dracula and um, Anna... Here, set the scene a bit. What, what's going so, on yeah, for that? So Anna has been kidnapped. Right. And uh, Van Helsing has Frankenstein, and one of the bride, one of Vampire's brides is basically like, hey, Van. Um, Van will, the... ju- <laughs> will... <laughs> Hell yeah, baby.
1: Hell's <laughs> Kitchen memes, if you know.
0: <laughs> uh, he's like... Or she's like, listen, we'll give you back the girl if you give us the monster. Yeah. It's that. It's a yeah. trade. That's all we want. It's- that's
1: what I mean by, like, the damsel in distress is less apt because it's, like, more because he he's trying to get what he wants. It's more mm-hmm. about leverage. As yeah, it's
0: not like, actually you know. just, like, a kidnapping for kidnappings. It's, like it's for his ultimate purpose. Right. And so Van Helsing's like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're just going to hide Frankenstein, and I'm going to go attack Dracula at his castle. Which and is they, a bad yeah, plan. Because
1: they're in Budapest. Because they're mm-hmm. trying to get Frankenstein back to Rome. So they're away from there. So they assume they'll be safe from Dracula. But he has a summer palace in Budapest. Yep. That on Halloween he hosts a masquerade ball for. And she's like, that's the public place, quote unquote. Because he's like, okay, well, Dracula is a vampire. And I know that. But not everybody knows that about him also a big thing in Dracula the novel. Mm -hmm. So I want it to be somewhere public that he won't be able to pull some vampire shit. And so she's like, well, as it so happens, there's this masquerade ball tomorrow. Let's do it there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so he goes to this masquerade ball after hiding Frankenstein in a tomb. (laughs) He's (laughs) he's yelling at him the whole time too. (laughs) He's like, you bastard. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he has to knock out Frankenstein in order to actually be able to do it. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, Frankenstein immediately gets captured because Dracula sent his spies after Van. All right. Um, but Van Helsing and Carl go to the Masquerade Ball, which is, just looks like such a fun circus fun-filled time. It looks time. like
1: the Masquerade Ball from Phantom of the Opera.
0: If, if they had circus performers there, yeah. It's so oh, yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, like there's like fire breathers, there's like contortionists, trapeze artists, Dudes on unicycles who are waiting. Fucking (laughs) nightmarish. Like, I (laughs) I would drop that plate so fast. Well, maybe if you had some kind of heightened agility, you'd be a lot better at it. Hmm. If only. Hmm, interesting.
0: (laughs) But so we cut over to Dracula, who is dancing with Anna, because he kind of has her under his control. Yeah, you got that
1: hypnosis Mm -hmm. thing that vampires do.
0: And so they're dancing about, and then there comes a point where they get to a mirror, and he dips her, and then they show the mirror... And at first, I was like, oh, yeah, because Dracula's not going to show up in a mirror. Yeah. And then I look back at it, and she is the only person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has no reflection. Well,
1: and her immediate response is, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. everybody there is a vampire. Yep. So this, you know, public place is like, yeah, he won't pull any vampire shit. Not when there's seven hundred vampires that he's created over the years <laughs> that would do that for him. <laughs> Even there's like kids in there. There's and you know, he's got an opera singer. All like mm-hmm. literally every single person there is a vampire. Yep. Um, I don't want to say how they get out of that because it's fucking such a cool way. It's, it's such a, a fun moment. It's so awesome
0: of Carl just kind of getting to do what he. Yeah. Kind of does best. Can we talk about Carl for a Please, second? Please, let's talk it's about
1: like Carl. <laughs> we were like, because even again, it's the action movie stereotype. You have the, like, the tech guy, the nerd, mm-hmm. the dude with the equipment. The proto-Man in chair. Right. But Carl has more to do. And because he's played by David Wenham, who was just in Lord of the Rings as, mm-hmm. Lord, as Faramir, Um, who is a badass, you know, so the role is more about his sheltered nature as a a servant of this order who's working to become a monk, but it's just kind of like making weapons and doing lore and all this stuff. So Carl, he he brings Carl to be like, how do we kill Dracula? Figure that out. Like, that's your job Mm -hmm. while we're here. Yeah, so he comes in with all this shit. He's got all these weapons,
0: some of which he doesn't know how they work. Yeah, well, well
1: he doesn't know what they're for. Mm-hmm. He knows what they do. He doesn't know what they would be useful for. Mm-hmm. But, man. Well, and Carl's I love that great. he kind
0: of just, like, bumblefucks his way into figuring out how to fight yeah. Dracula. Because he's just, like, leaning on a, on a wall. Because yeah. well, you had said
1: earlier on, you're like, I'm Carl, aren't I? am carl Arnold, i i am like, that's not bad. He gets laid. Like, he's cool. <laughs> Like, he defies the stereotypes of that man-in-chair, like, mm-hmm. tech guy. Because he is
0: still... Because, yeah, kind of going against some of the more proto-earlier-on um, assistant people, he actually does do things. He's not just there to carry around the yeah. sword. He's
1: not the comic relief, either. No, yeah. Like, I mean, he and Van Helsing have barbs at each other, but, like... My favorite one that I always remember is when, you know, towards the beginning, Van Helsing's like, yeah, you're gonna come with me to Transylvania. Carl's like, well, the hell be damned, though. And he's like, you cursed. I mean, not very well, but you shouldn't curse at all. You're going to be a monk. Yeah. He's like, well, actually, I'm just a friar.
0: I can curse all I want. Damn it. Yeah. Like,
1: it's just fun, like, between-friend banter. Well, yeah, and I love
0: the fact that he is a friar gets him away with yeah. a couple <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, like, he literally saves <laughs> that woman during the vampire brood apocalypse when mm-hmm. the first time Dracula brings his children to life for the two hours that they're alive. He saves this woman, and once all of them die, she's like, how could I repay you? And he, seizing the opportunity, is like, well, you can fuck. She's like, you can't do that.
0: You're a monk. And he's like, actually, "Uh, I'm just a friar. She's like, hell
1: yeah, man, green light. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, and then he learns how to kill Dracula. How do you kill Dracula, Danny?
0: Please. So you kill Dracula by being a werewolf and fighting him.
1: How awesome is that? Like, the only thing that can kill Dracula is another monster Mm -hmm. that he's used in his employ for years because he's smart enough to realize, well, if I just domesticate werewolves, just like Victor did in Underworld, then they won't kill me. Mm -hmm. Except Victor's like, well, if I enslave them and treat them like garbage, they'll love me. It's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true. But that makes for an awesome climactic battle where... Van Helsing, who has conveniently been bitten by a werewolf, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that Vra- Dra- Vlad Dracula, Dracula has a cure for lycanthropy, like, mm-hmm. that if he kills Dracula and, as a werewolf and, and gets, the gets the cure secure. before he'll, the night is over, he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine. <laughs> but that whole fight is cool because you have this large, muscular black werewolf mm-hmm. this giant fleshy gross bat, bat creature biting each other very physically like, like grappling mm-hmm. all over this
0: lab well and i love that scene because it's the first time you see dracula in any kind of fear yeah the first time he can't control these werewolves he's like oh wait no you know this is okay okay Okay, yeah. can we talk? Can we talk about this, please? Well, it's cool, and then cause... Hugh Jackman is just
1: <laughs> sharpening his claws yeah, on like, the wall. Fuck. Because <laughs> up until that last scene, you don't see Dracula turn into a bat. Mm-hmm. You just see his shadow when he turns into it and flies and shit. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's not until he tosses Van Helsing around a bunch that he turns into a werewolf. And he's because he's like, bro, listen, you can't kill me. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll work this out for you. You leave. I won't kill anybody else. I'm just going to propagate my brood. Uh, maybe give me my ring back, you prick. <laughs> you took that from me hundreds of years ago. But he's like, all I want is to live on my own. Like, we don't really have quarrel with each other. In fact, you're the only person I relate to ever. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into a werewolf. And it's like, oh, holy shit, you know. <laughs>
0: oh, okay, okay, so this is, this is real now.
1: Yeah. Well, most of the fight is him trying to like beat him a bit and then flee.
0: Yeah. Like, get the fuck yeah, it's out him, of Dodge. It's him basically trying to incapacitate him long enough so he can get away. Because yeah. he knows how dangerous this is for him. It's
1: cool, too, because the whole fight, because it's so physical, it's, you know, a lot of the grappling, a lot of that shit, and it's a lot of turning back into people to talk to each other, and mm-hmm. then turning back into monsters and fighting each other. Love that. It's very, like, Venom yeah. in a fight scene. Like, how that first Venom movie could have gone fight-wise is more, like, we can take breaks from fighting each other to talk about this, and then we jump back into fighting each other as That monsters. is a red one. <laughs> that, oh, shit! You <laughs> know? <In> a- <laughs> He does the same thing with Riot in the first movie. He's like, "That one is Riot. Uh we gotta, we gotta leave." <laughs> I am a loser. On my, <laughs> on my planet, I am kind of a loser. <laughs> Love Venom. <laughs> we picked up uh, Venom Two today, and I can't, I can't wait to rewatch it again.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, man, I want to know your big thoughts about this movie because I, I, like, you. This is the first time you've seen it. Correct. And I've talked it up uh, for months. For a while. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, What's been kind of, what's kind of funny is um, I've gotten both this movie very talked up and very talked down about growing up. I grew up watching a lot of movie reviews because that's just who I am. Yeah. And um, there have been a lot of reviews that really shit on this movie. Yeah, why? And (laughs) now having seen it, I don't get it. Like, no, it's not perfect. It's not I wouldn't even call it necessarily a great movie, but it is one of the most entertaining universal monster movies of the 2000s, period. Mm -hmm. And I just. I had such a good time with it. You can't go in expecting highbrow cinema because it's not what this was made for. This was made to entertain. And I just. I had so much fun with it.
1: Well, and that sounds like that's how Stephen Summers writes things. Like The Mummy, it's the same way, where Mm -hmm. there's. clearly i mean it's clearly a fun like ride like it's not supposed to say anything big or whatever but he understands that people like hot like producers assume make a fun movie make it dumb because people are stupid like you don't mm-hmm. have to try hard to make something
0: but anytime well, and what's nice about this is it has that layer of if you want it to be, this can just be a dumb action movie. But the fact that I, on my first watch, was able to find some deeper themes in it was something I didn't expect from this movie after how I had heard about this movie for so long. Mm -hmm. I was just expecting it to be a a very dumb action movie, and it's not.
1: Yeah, it isn't even all that dumb. Like, it's just... If you're willing to, like, not
0: take it seriously. You have to have that willful suspension of disbelief, and then you can just enjoy the ride.
1: I watched it when I was, like, eight years old for the first time, and I fucking loved it. Mm -hmm. Because that's exactly what it was supposed to be. And as an adult, yeah, obviously I still enjoy watching it, but I've found more Mm -hmm. that I didn't even... Like, I straight up did not know. Like, I knew those lines, but I didn't know, like, what that meant. Mm -hmm. Like, that whole scene... Again, I'll come back to it, with with Dracula after his first wife has has died, and it's kind of establishing what he wants to do, and his wives are more or less like, like, what the hell do we do? And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, what do you mean don't worry about it? We just lost a part of our team. Like, that's not cool. And seeing, like, I knew all of those lines, but I mostly thought it was mostly just to be dramatic to kind of just further establish Dracula as a villain, and I'm like, yeah, I got it, Like, I, mm-hmm. I get it. But, you know, obviously the, the lines are still, you know, it's, it's very, I would say it's more comic booky than mm-hmm. like, dumb. Yeah. Because it's, it's written like The Mummy. It's written it's like fun, furthering the plot banter, but there's, there's, there's deep
0: stuff in there too. And if you've seen a lot of these types of movies, sometimes you know exactly where it's going. I yeah. was able to quote the movie before it happened a couple yeah, okay. times.
1: It was the funniest shit is that there were several <laughs> times that, like, they would set up for some joke or some sort of thing, and then it would just be, like, Danny going, like, responding to it. And then I'm like, yep. And then, like, the very <laughs> next second, they would, <laughs> they would just talk about it. I, I can't remember any specific Me neither. Right but, uh, yeah, that, to be fair, like, to be sure, like, if you like The Mummy watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Give it a chance. At the very least, just to to get a, another taste of that sort of taking people seriously, but as people, as opposed to like... Van Helsing could have just as easily been like The Punisher. He could mm-hmm. have been like this dark character that has all these moral like it could have been a big stupid thing
0: i will but say it just like boom it just is that's also why i'm really glad this came out when it did because this was before batman begins when everything started to take that darker yep. turn and i oh, mean yeah. everything because this still has that light-hearted air what? amidst all the kind of i wouldn't say darkness but <clears throat> darker quality to the right. base story and it still is willing to tread a little lighter
1: Yeah, like we're starting to sort of get back to where we were pre Dark Knight, but you know, there's still all of these people that think if it isn't saying something and it isn't dark and it isn't edgy, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people that watched Van Helsing, it was like in the five to six years afterwards, which is when Hollywood made that switch to Mm -hmm. like, it's not about fun anymore, it's about making money and what makes money. Let's go online and read what fucking morons on movie reviews are saying yep. oh they want shit dark and they want it complicated and they want all movies to be in a shared universe for some reason we'll do that mm-hmm. that's what they were trying to do with fucking their dark universe like I universal I about the dark universe misses the point yep but you had it you, you had lightning in a bottle almost Like you, mm-hmm. you had Like this movie's not perfect to to be fair and mm-hmm. take what I specifically say with bias that's why I really wanted Danny to shine on this yeah. thing. I'm like listen <laughs> You know Matt's going to love Van Helsing, but does Danny like Van Helsing? Mm-hmm.
0: Did you? I did. I, Good. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I really look forward to watching this movie again. Oh,
1: fuck yeah. It's just so much fun. like It has such a great rewatchability, like, like value, mm-hmm. because even when you're watching it the first time, you kind of know where it's going. Yeah. Like, Van Helsing is going to kill Dracula, and like things are going to work out, but it's about the ride. The Mummy is the exact same way. Of course they're going to put down The Mummy. Of course uh, Rick and and Evie are going to get together. Of course all that stuff is going to happen. But it's about having the fun of the journey. Like, Mm -hmm. it's about having a good time at a movie. Well, you know? and
0: what else it really accomplishes that I'm sure is what they set out for is it makes me want to rewatch those old Universal movies. Yeah. It makes me want to rewatch Young Frankenstein. It makes me want to replay the Castlevania games. Yeah, I was like, if
1: nothing else, this movie will make you want to play The Witcher or Castlevania or both mm-hmm. because this movie is straight up The Witcher. Like, Van Helsing is, is Geralt's yeah. with a little bit more charisma. Um, but... It, yeah, that was what's one thing I didn't really know. Like like we said, there's like a lot of s- subtext that's not really addressed. Mm-hmm. Like the nature of Dracula and Van Helsing's relationship is never explicitly stated. Yes. It's never explicitly stated why he calls him Gabriel. It's mm-hmm. never really explicitly stated what the left hand of God means. What I interpret that as is that it's just like – a person on earth who like carries God's judgment, and Dracula was the opposite of that. So it was like, of course they were going to fight each other mm-hmm. and they couldn't kill each other. So they kind of like, that's why he showed up at in Rome half dead, no memory. Cause it was like, that's what Dracula left on him. And he cut his finger off. I don't know. That's like the thing is that yeah. we don't really know, but there's all these little clues
0: that Van Helsing has been alive for like hundreds of years. Mm-hmm but they Wait, don't go into it because it, it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter and it's up to interpretation at least in my mind because yeah i think there's a couple different ways you can look at that yeah. which is also a reason that will bring me back to rewatch it to see if my new theory has any any What's grounds your new theory? I don't think Van Helsing's been alive for a long time. I think it's a descendant thing. I think it's a generational ah, thing, cool. and that's why he calls him Gabriel, because hundreds of years ago, like it memories. was Gabriel ah, who tried cool. to fight him, and now it's Van Helsing, yeah. who's a descendant of Gabriel. That's awesome. That's what I think it is. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if that's true. I mean, hey,
1: it, it works with mine, too, by it being just a man who every generation, like, God chooses him as, like, his fist of justice. And or part of that may
0: just be that I love Buffy, and that's the generational descendants God. thing. <laughs> So
1: it's definitely it's, it's definitely It totally is. Um, yeah, well, the Valerius is the same thing. It's just a generation of family that's been trying to kill Dracula, so every single descendant knows how to kill. Fuck it. It's the Belmonts. It's yep. literally Castle. It's the Belmonts. Yeah, it's you mix Buffy and the, the Belmonts and, uh, Drac- and, you're and, and Dracula that can't be killed. There's your movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and if that didn't make you want to watch it, I guess you're wrong. I don't. I don't know. Pick a chance on having fun. Yeah. That's all I'll really, really say. So, follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast.
0: You can reach us at our email at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. And
1: also, I want to say right now, this is going to be our 50th episode. And I am so happy that it's
2: Van Helsing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally the movie that's all about, like just go like watch for what's good about it like our whole show is about like yeah maybe it's scary maybe it's you heard this especially that's what i really wanted to dispel with this show you can listen to anybody on anything i always think about particularly pitch meetings and cinema sins being detrimentally damaging to several people's perceptions of movies for no reason mm-hmm. but I you don't even have to listen to me. You can hate this movie and that's totally fine.
0: That is yeah. absolutely within your wheelhouse. Well, and I think part of it is that it's just um understanding where that source is and whether or not you agree with it overall. There are right. specific movie reviewers where I will listen to them in certain circumstances right. and no other times. Me too. And I found and it's just a matter of finding where you kind of align with people so you can have a greater understanding, especially if you don't want to take that plunge and and test something for yourself first.
1: Because everybody has a personal subjective bias. Exactly.
0: Like, my big guy, the
1: high-top films guy, Alex, who I love all of his stuff, he's got some pretty inflammatory things to say about horror movies that I straight up think he is wrong about. Mm -hmm. But everything that he says about, like, Spider-Man or Batman, I'm, like, fucking bought and sold. I absolutely agree with that sort of thing. Um, but, man, it, if nothing else, we're hoping that the show is all about, on our recommendation, not because we know more or less than anybody else. Yeah, we claim to be experts for horror because we've just seen a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But we've also watched a lot of movies that we feel like maybe aren't the best, but there's merit. Like You can't just throw away a whole team of people's artistic creation because of the Weinsteins or mm-hmm. because... You know, a director like William Friedkin is a fucking insane person. Yeah. Like, you can't just write off this or that because of, you know. X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like that's, this is a perfect movie, I feel, for that. Because every time when I was younger and I said I love Van Helsing, I got made fun of. And I'm like, why? Have you seen it? Like, yeah, it's goofy. And it's like a fun adventure movie. And it's not, like, serious. But, you know. You don't have to get that all the time. Mm -hmm. Movies don't always have to be for the same thing. Otherwise, why would there be new
0: ones? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that's all I'll say (laughs) about (laughs) that.
0: Well, until next time, you stay spooky. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you
2: Van Halen!